And don't be stingy, baby. Well, shall I serve it in a pail? I'll let you come down to the ground. Good evening, the woman that we honor tonight on the Dr. Zeus film podcast. Yesterday was her birthday. She would be, geez, a hundred and... 17? 116. If you don't know who that was talking, let me me do the drum roll, basically. She was the most talked about screen actress of the 20th century, even when she stopped making films. People still look for the sightings of her in New York. It became a thing. She did a screen test in 1949 for a supposed comeback, but it never happened. She was nominated for the Academy Award three times. She was given an honorary Oscar in the 1950s. Barbara Walters herself once said... I once wanted to interview the legendary Greta Garbo. In fact, I said that I would quit if Greta Garbo would grant me an interview. Then I was uh, scared that she would call me up and say, promise? Greta Garbo. Greta Garbo. That first clip that I just played for you, that's an infamous clip because that's Garbo Talks. That was always the tagline with her films. Garbo Talks. It was the first time she ever talked on screen. You hear that accent. And then in 1939, she did Garbo Laughs, which was basically Nonochka. She was born Greta Luvisa Gustafsson, September 18th, 1905 in Stockholm, Sweden. Died on April 15th, tax day, 1990 at the age of 84 in New York City. She was she started out in silent films and in silent films really made her mark. I mean, she she just became this enigma. Her first role was in 1920 Mr. and Mrs. Stockholm Go Shopping. And then she made The Temptress in 1926, followed by The Flesh and the Devil in 1926, The Divine Woman in 1928. The Mysterious Lady in 1928. Wild Orchids in 1929. The Kiss in 1929. And then in 1930 did her first talkie. Oh, wait a minute. She was nominated, okay, four times? It says three. 
Okay. <sighs> this legendary performer. Legendary. So much has been written about her. So much has been said about her. I don't think um, anyone has ever done it the way that Greta Kobo really made people just wet with anticipation. That is her 1930 performance And I cannot Romance Where she's telling him she cannot marry him She even was in There were many film uh, Adaptations of Anna Christie And Anna Christie Or not Anna Christie, sorry Anna Karenia Karenia. Yes, Tolstoy In fact I watched the movie And I read the book Here we go just she took the American public and the film public and really ran with it she be, she created this not just enigma because she really didn't give interviews at that time she didn't talk 
there was this beautiful mystery of Greta Garbo. That must be the one. Yes, he looks like a cowboy. And then in 1939, Garbo laughs. And Ernest Lubitsch's Nonochka. No, that's not him. Positively not. What are we going to do? I don't know. This, this is... We, we must have missed him. I'm looking for Michael Simonovich Ironov. I am Michael Simonovich Ironov. I'm Nina Ivanovna Yakushova, envoy extraordinary, acting on the direct orders of Comrade Commissar Rosinin. Present with your colleagues. Comrade Boyanov. Comrade. Comrade Kopalski. Comrade. What a charming idea for Moscow to surprise us with a lady comrade. If he had known, we would have greeted you with flowers. <laughs> Don't make an issue of my womanhood. We're here for work, all of us. Let's not waste any time. Shall we go? And so for that performance, Greta Garbo was nominated for Best Actress and lost to Vivian Lee, who won for Gone with the Wind. Now, unfortunately, Greta Garbo, like many, was labeled box office poison. But she pressed on, and Nanochka really was her comeback. Here's some things that a lot of people didn't know. On February 9th, 1951, she became a naturalized citizen of the United States. And in 1953, she bought a seven-room apartment at 450 East 52nd Street in Manhattan, where she lived for the rest of her life. On November 13th, 1963, just nine days before the assassination of President Kennedy, Garbo was a dinner guest at the White House. She spent the night at the Washington, D.C. home of philanthropist Florence Mahoney. Garbo's niece, Gray Ricefield, told museum specialist James Wagner at the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library of Museum, quoted in the 2000 press release, Garbo always spoke of it as a magical evening. Now, the public persona of Garbo, well, first of all, let's talk about the image. Garbo has been credited with popularizing the slouchy hat. Her look has been described as a trench coat, simple shoes, shirts, cigarette pants, slouchy hat, and big sunglasses. This is, of course, before Jackie Onassis. From the early days of her career, Garbo avoided industry social functions, preferring to spend her time alone or with friends. She never signed autographs or answered fan mail and rarely gave interviews. Nor did she ever appear at Oscar ceremonies, even when she was nominated. Her aversion to publicity and the press was undeniably genuine and exasperating to the studio at first. In an interview in 1928, she explained that her desire for privacy began when she was a child, stating, As early as I could remember, I have wanted to be alone. I detest crowds, don't like many people. Because Garbo was suspicious and mistrustful of the media and often at odds with MGM executives, she spurned the Hollywood's publicity rules. She was routinely referred to by the press as the Swedish Sphinx. Her resilience and fear of strangers perpetuated the mystery and mystique that she projected 
both on the screen and in real life. MGM eventually capitalized on it, and it bolstered the image of the silent and reclusive woman of mystery. In spite of her strenuous efforts to avoid publicity, Garbo paradoxically became one of the 20th century's most publicized women in the world. She is closely associated with a line from Grand Hotel, one which the American Film Institute in 2005 voted the 30th most memorable movie quote of all time. I want to be alone. I just want to be alone. The theme was a running gag that began during the period of her silent movies. She played everything. She was in Matahari. But the silent films, which you can't play for you because they're silent. <laughs> I I love what... Uh, she, so in 1999... She was honored by the American Film Institute. They did 100 Years, 100 Stars. And she'd been gone nine years at that point. And was honored. Let's see. I'm looking for it. She was truly a recluse. And in a way, that gave into the mystique of Greta Garbo. To the point where she... People just didn't know what to say. Or there was the sightings of Garbo. On the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Stars, Garbo is number five. In the female screen legends of the 20th century. But Edward James almost at that in that um, documentary said something interesting about Garbo. He says one line sent her into everyone's imagination. And here's the moment. Well? I want to be alone. Where have you been? I suppose I can cancel the Vienna contract. I just want to be alone. You're going to be very much alone, my dear madam. This is the end. And that is from Grand Hotel in 1932. A big ensemble piece. She did it all. She did everything. But the moment, you know, when we talked at the beginning where it was Garbo Talks in 1939... It was Garbo laughs alongside Melvin Douglas in Nanochka. They must be pretty crowded when it's half moon. <laughs> so you don't think that's funny? No. It seemed funny to me when I first heard it. Maybe the trouble isn't with the joke. Maybe it's with you. I don't think so. I'll give you one more chance. Here goes. When I first heard this joke, I laughed myself sick. Here goes. A man comes into a restaurant. He sits down at the table and he says, Waiter, bring me a cup of coffee without cream. Five minutes later, the waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir, we have no cream. Can it be without milk? (laughs) Not funny, huh? Well, it is funny. Everybody else thought it was funny. Maybe you 
get the point. I'll tell it to you again. A man comes into a restaurant. Did you get that? Yes. All right. He sits down at the table and he says to the waiter, Did you get that? Yes. All right. It isn't funny so far, but wait a minute. He says to the waiter, Waiter, bring me a cup of coffee. And five minutes later, the waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir, we're all out of coffee. Oh, no, no, you've got me all mixed up now. Just on the table, says, Waiter, bring me a cup of coffee. And five minutes later, that's it. He says, Waiter, bring me a cup of coffee without cream. And five minutes later, the waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir, we have no cream. Can it be a glass of milk? Oh, you have no sense of humor. None whatsoever. A grain of humor in you. There's not a laugh in you. Everybody else laughs at it, but not you. That's Garbo. Garbo laughs. Greta Garbo really, if you look at the stars now, none of them could do what she could do. She had the magic. I love what Gore Vidal once said of her. Women liked her. They loved her. She was their idea of a dish. Men hated her. And, and that was mainly because of her uh, androgynous sexuality. And that's true. Because she was this woman with very, in a way, ma- the, way like she, the way she held a man in a film to kiss him, she held him in a very masculine way. Yeah. And hers, basically, is the stuff of legend, as we talk here in the Dr. Zeus film podcast. And, um... (coughs) We're gonna keep that in, because I don't don't edit things out. Oh my goodness. What a... Here we go. My grandmother was a very warm person. If you think of the ideal, wonderful grandmother who will do everything for you, who always thinks you're perfect. At an early age, Greta's enthusiasm for the cinema developed from her passion for the theater. What happens next is nothing. A long wait, a long, painful, hot wait in New York City with Garbo sweating to death and taking baths and complaining about the heat and still running down to the telegraph office every day expecting to be summoned and to be taken to California in high style and he wasn't summoned at all. MGM, still in turmoil as a brand new studio, sent her a photographer called Russell Ball who took these portraits. 
Garbo saw her potential differently. These pictures by Arnold Genther showed how intensely dramatic she imagined her future would be. So that mystique of Greta Garbo really was created also on screen by lighting. Gish recommended that he do a test of her. And this was an entirely different thing because Sarto used his own lens, a lens he had engineered that was a soft focus lens, to photograph Garbo and use very modeled lighting where the, the very steep placement of the key light would bring out cheekbones and eye sockets. We photographed this through the original Sato lens. The Daniels lighting, the effect Sato produced. That made all the difference. They could see she had something. She, she was something special. And yet Garbo was given William Daniels as cameraman. And instead of Stiller, she got a staff director, Montebell. Denied permission to return for the funeral, she was ready to quit. The things that must have been seething in her, you know, boiling underneath, I mean, I, I'm sure. The studio changed the title to read was the most understated player at that time that people had seen. She seemed to... Designers who had his own imprint. And so I'm flipping through because she really... People didn't know what to do with her or say about her. It was a, it was a new kind of star. It was a new kind of Hollywood. Most of the stars wanted to be front and center and tell you everything... I mean, today, all of them have Instagram TikToks. But with Greta Garbo... And yeah, I would, I would say that there was a luminous aspect to her look. To her, her whole persona, which basically was created on screen and is forever cemented on screen. A highly strung Russian ballerina. You must forgive me. I've had a very trying evening. I was so alone. Suddenly you were there. Garbo had wanted John Gilbert for this role. Nervous to be working with the great John Barrymore instead. Garbo eventually told him, you have no idea what it means to me to play opposite so perfect an artist. I'd like to take you in my arms and not let anything happen to you, ever. How tired you are. Yes, 
And uh, alone. So alone. And see, she loves that word, and that and that was always kind of the tagline was Garbo wants to be alone. I want to be alone. Hmm. Yeah. From 1920 until 1941's Two-Faced Woman, she was in films. And she retired after Two-Faced Woman at the age of 35. She had been in over 28 films. After retiring, Garbo declined all opportunities to return to the screen. And shunning publicity led to a private life. She became an art collector whose collection, though containing many works of great value including works from Pierre-Auguste Renoir Pierre Bonnard Kives Van Dugan which were worth millions of dollars when she died Woo! there is a monument on the building where she was born and it's it's a bust of her Greta Garbo the silent films, if you ever get a chance to watch the silent films, are very, very interesting. Very interesting. I'm not going to talk about her pri- private life. The, the, the tongues wagging about her personal life, her sexuality. Because that really is... Redundant. Garba was an international star during the late silent era and the golden age of Hollywood, who became a screen icon. For most of her career, she was the highest paid actor or actress at MGM, making her for many years its premier prestige star. The April 1990 Washington Post obituary said that at the peak of her popularity, she was a virtual cult figure. Gargo, Garbo possessed a subtle, subtle and naturalism interacting that set her apart from the other actors and actresses of the period about her work in silence film critic Ty Burr said this was a new kind of actor not the stage actor who had to play to the far seats but someone who could just look and with her eyes literally go from rage to sorrow in just a close up I mean it's like what Gloria Swanson said in Sunset Boulevard we didn't need jokes. We had faces. Oh, Carol Burnett said that too. So Greta Garbo. The luminous, mysterious figure. Here on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And, and one final word from Barbara Walters. Thank you. I've always wanted to interview Greta Garbo. And yes, I did famously said that I would quit if Greta Garbo would grant me an interview. And I was scared that she would call me up and say, promise? As a girl watching her films in the early days, watching how she handled her fame. For many years, I have sat down with the most famous people in the world. Asking them those questions that nobody wants to ask. But with Greta Garbo, she just wanted to be alone. This is Barbara Walters. Good night. And as always, unpleasant dreams.